Hi, welcome to another episode of Chats from the Blog Cabin, the show where I invite people into the Blog Cabin to chat about life. I'm Melissa, your host and owner of the Blog Cabin. Today, I'm very proud to be joined by four amazing men who, when I first asked them if they would come on and chat about race to do the male version, which, you know, honestly, I did a female version, so check back a couple of podcast episodes back. Um, they immediately said yes without any questions or, or qualms about it, and they actually trusted me enough to know that it would be a positive conversation and not a negative one. So on the show today, I have Daniel Weeks, who is a pastor here in Goldsboro, North Carolina. He was also my middle daughter's seventh grade math teacher. I have Mac Murray Jr. He's a motivational and keynote speaker. And until this panel, I had never met Mac, but I taught with his wife. I have Julius James, who's a former MLS player who I know through the Carolina Railhawks, which is now in CFC. And rounding out the panel is Josiah Alapate. He's a health coach from the California, Arizona region of the U.S. So I have East Coast, West Coast, and Global Views on race. Global View comes into play with Julius because he is from Trinidad and Tobago. I will say that I could listen to these men talk all day because the debate was so amazing and awesome. You will find that they know what they're talking about. I will say that Matt used the N-word, and I was going to bleep it out, but need to understand the context of the word. Mac is a black man who encountered that word with one of his clients. When he used it, he was explaining the whole conversation about why we shouldn't use that word and how he used it to educate the, the client. For his purposes, I felt that word needed to be said. I hope you enjoyed listening to this chat as much as I enjoyed moderating the chat. So let's start listening. special edition of Chats from the Blog Cabin. I'm Melissa, as you know, but today I'm joined by four amazing gentlemen. I know three of them in person and one of them I know online because they're coming from all over the country, or two of them are actually local to me, but I just, I'm so thankful that they're here to talk about race. The women's um, panel went so well, I just felt like we needed to do the men's panel and get the male version of it. And I also am going to do one about biracial relationships too, because I think that is huge as well. So we'll start off with Julius. Why don't you introduce yourself? Um, first of all, I want to say thank you, Melissa, for having me on um, with this wonderful cast of, um, of men. Right. Um, I also wanted to uh, thank your viewers for, for chiming in today. And I hope you all enjoy the conversation that we are about to have right now. Um, my name is Julius James. I am from Trinidad and Tobago. Um, 
I am a I was a professional soccer player for the last 11 plus years. I played in the United States of America in the MLS, NASL, USL, and um, MPSL. And I played professionally in Trinidad and Tobago also. I went to college over here. I was 14, 18 after get a full right to be educated at the University of Connecticut. And after graduation, I applied my trade here and I've been a um, philanthropic athlete my whole life. And um, I'm just very proud to be here. And now I'm working as a coach with um, the new MLS team, the um, Inter Miami, uh, Inter Miami CF professional MLS team, uh, the David Beckham team down in South Florida there. And um, I'm just really, really blessed to be here, Melissa, and I, and I appreciate the opportunity that you've given us right now on the platform. Hey, Josiah, you're up next. Awesome. Hey, everybody. My name is Josiah Alipate. Uh, I'm 35 years old, uh, coming to you from uh, today from Scottsdale, Arizona. Uh, I am a health and business coach. Uh, that's what I what I do for a living. Uh, but my but my biggest calling is in uh, youth ministry. So uh, I've lived here in Scottsdale, Arizona since 2017. Um, and uh, have enjoyed my time, and I'm looking forward to our conversation today. Okay, Mr. Weeks, I can't call him Daniel. I'm sorry, because he taught my daughter seventh grade, so I can't call him Daniel. <laughs> well, you, just, you, just, you just took my introduction away. I was your daughter's seventh grade math teacher. My name is, my name is Daniel Weeks. I'm 36 years old. Uh, I've been married 14 years. We have six beautiful kids. <clears throat> um, not something that I... I talk about a whole lot um, because I don't want to. I don't want to ever feel like I'm trying to qualify myself to speak about race. But we have an interracial family. We have two black children, and uh, since uh, my wife and I have been married, um, <clears throat> we've had nine total children, and um, from um, Mexican origin, uh, black children, and then white children as well, and. Um, so that doesn't make me an expert on what it's like to be black. In fact, it makes me nothing. <laughs> it just, uh, it's just part of my story. And when you hear me talk, um, I think sometimes it does shed a little bit of a different perspective on things, on what it is it means to be what it is. white it and um, have children that are not white. But it does not make me an expert. Um, and uh, I am a pastor uh, at Bethel Church in Goldsboro, North Carolina. And uh, I too, Josiah, um, I'm, I'm a pastor, but I love students. And um, that's probably my passion. And um, <clears throat> have a lot of experience working with young men who have been in trouble with the legal system, trying to help them navigate it and not get trapped um by stupid felonies that they do not deserve and um my wife and i also live on a small farm and we run a wedding venue business and uh yeah thankful to be here thanks for having me 
Mac, I think your wife actually volunteered you to do this. Am I correct? <laughs> I was absolutely voluntold, yes. Voluntold. <laughs> so tell us a little about yourself. Um, first, thank you uh, for allowing me the opportunity. Um, but yes, I am a motivational and keynote speaker. Um, I've been doing that for roughly about 10 years now. Um, I also am a mental health practitioner. Uh, so I assist a lot of people, a lot of young people, especially with uh, the realities that they have, the challenges uh, to help them uh, identify with uh, the world around them, including family. Um, also, I uh, serve, I'm, I'm from Goldsboro, so I I serve my leadership team and, you know, my incredible pastors, Pastor Terry and Lady Juliet Jones at the City Church of Goldsboro. Um, I'm a part of uh, the family there um, and I'm born and raised right here in Goldsboro. So, um, again, so glad to be a part of uh, the conversation tonight. Yeah, because I think this conversation is very important to have because you know, once we sit down and we learn from each other, that's how we can actually learn to make this country better. Because I, like for instance, I don't know what you guys have going on in your life and you don't know what I have going on in my life, but I do know from being married to a Mexican, how prejudice is taken for him and for my daughters. Because my daughters are half Mexican, half um, white. So it's kind of hard to actually tell them, okay, I know what you're going through, but I don't really know what they're going through. So I want to kind of step into your shoes tonight. So the first thing I want to talk about is, have you ever had to deal with racism in your life? I know you have, but is there one particular thing in your life that's really stood out to you that you can remember? Anybody jump in and ask the question. I answered the question, I mean. <laughs> Oh, I'll, I'll go first. Um, I, uh, with my um, job that I have as a mental health practitioner, I've uh, dealt with um, uh, young a young person who didn't really uh, understand what they were saying, um, um, but they knew enough to know if that they have heard it before. And so they uh, used uh, the word nigger. Um, and it was it was a part of a joke uh, for him. He wanted to inform me or enlighten me about a joke. Um, and uh, in having to work with that young gentleman, um, I took no personal offense to it, um, but it came from somewhere. Um, the idea for that to even be okay um, or something that he has heard in conversation um, bothered me. Uh, he, he did not come up with this on his own. And, and so having to uh, figure out how to deal with that uh, from this young white kid um, that I was having to work with uh, three or four times a week uh, and spend roughly roughly 30 minutes to an hour with him in his home uh, or out in the community with him. And uh, that wasn't um, long ago. That was recently. 
uh, I would say within the last year and having to have that conversation with his, his parents uh, to let him, let them know uh, that I had a plan as to how I wanted to address or approach the conversation. Um, and so that he could understand in the future, um, everybody's not going to be as nice as myself um, and won't have as much tact in dealing with something like this. Um, I could feel like any of the other uh, people who have responded to it in a negative uh, way, um, but I decided to deal with it in a, uh, with wisdom and with tact. So uh, that, that was my experience. Do you think that has to do with a lot of the mainstream uh, music that it's now just like it's in music all the time so people just think it's okay to, to say that word? I do agree. I, I feel that the music does add um, uh, the, it gives people, uh, I guess for lack of better terms, uh, the permission or they feel that it's okay because it's in something that's popular already. Hey, who wants to jump in and answer the question now? Well, I think the context of the, the comment many times is very clear how it's being used. He's exactly right. Music makes it feel like it, it, it's basically like calling somebody your buddy. Mm -hmm. My, I won't say that word, <laughs> uh, but uh, I think he's right. I mean, the context that it was, it, it's used in many times, it is clearly meant as a racial slur. I mean, just to be honest with you, if any white people are watching, don't say that word. <laughs> I mean, just that's just in the code. You don't say that. And, and uh, you, you're, you might not mean anything by it, but it shows a certain level of oblivion to reality, thinking that you can just say it. Now, I teach my, my black children, you don't, you don't say that word. I mean, here's what it means. And that's not what black people are. Yeah, for me, for me, just kind of, um, you know, I grew up in Northern California in the Bay Area um, in a town called Vallejo, just outside of, uh, of Oakland. And I grew up in a culture where, where we said that a lot. I did myself. Um, and I remember specifically, there was a, there was a, a, a bus driver <laughs> who got real mad when he would always hear us say that and he would tell us not to. And it wasn't until I actually started to inquire about where, where did it come from? What does it actually mean? And how do people uh, take this particular word? And I think it, it boils down to one in many, <clears throat> in many groupings, we've normalized it, you know, like I said, we've normalized it actually where we think that it's okay. And then even further than that is there's not been there's not been any accountability, especially for, that's why I got such a big uh, passion for the youth, because for me as a young man growing up, I didn't know what it really meant. I thought it meant that's my homie, that's my boy. You know, that's that's what I thought that it meant. But when I really actually take a look at it and take a look at the grand scope of of it, I grew up in an area of, of the country where that's OK. But then there's other areas of the country where it's absolutely not. And it actually means what it means when they say it. And so, you know, I had to take a step back and understand, man, the, the words that, that come out of my mouth, they actually 
mean something? Am I actually going to take time to put thoughtfulness behind what I'm saying? And 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 is the person who I'm speaking to and communicating to going to receive the message the way that I intended it to? Um, you know, and so that's where I started to begin to start thinking like, wow, like I, I've been saying a lot of things that I shouldn't be saying. Um, but but again, we've gotten to a point where when it's normalized and and it's part of popular culture, you know, things kind of get, the waters get muddy at that point. Yeah, at that point. Julius, do you have anything to add? Concerning my experience or concerning um, the word using culture. Well, I, um, I could just kind of go in a little bit with both sides. And well, for me, I, I grew up in a different country and we would be impressed upon by the American culture a lot because, you know, is the bigger country that's close by and it's a first world country, right? So when I came, when I, I was not custom using it growing up, but when I came to college here is when I started to hear it more in dialogue. Before I would hear it in songs, but it wasn't part of my culture to say. And um, when I came over here, it, it was in the dialogue of um, most of the black um, athletes that I was around um, and yeah I started to use it but I it always felt a little uncomfortable for me so um, I always understood kind of like it with it with vibrations and with um, I don't know I don't know how but I always felt like it wasn't right to use like how we use it like how people use it and um as it pertains to the music man i i really really feel that and no disrespect to anyone that the music that is on the airways the free music that is constantly be that is constantly pushed out constantly there the the it is it, it's just not educating our kids it's not it's not doing anything for society and it's breaking down society is demoralizing um is 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 dehumanizing women you know is 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 putting money on a pedestal and it is giving us vernacular that you know our kids is that we start our kids starting to pick up without even remember our children they download stuff you know they so now we have to teach them about rejecting stuff that they're not even paying attention to because it's being played everywhere so you know that's my take on it on on the word being used um i just feel like if we need to start a a, a dialogue about it like what um all the, all the gentlemen inside it have been doing and we need to start spreading the word more about how important it is to pay attention to what we hear and subconsciously to what is being played and what we what we put out 
Now I have a question. Um, this is actually coming from a Facebook status that really stood out for me a long time ago. Mr. Weeks wrote it and it was one about when your youngest son was just a baby and somebody was, or maybe a toddler and somebody was asking, was he your son as well? And that whole vernacular, the whole conversation that you had, what kind of conversation do you have, feel like you need to have with him as opposed to your other children because of the color of his skin? Yeah, I mean, that's a good, that's a good question. And what I try to tell people is <clears throat> that um, this is kind of tough to hear. So you might want to put your seatbelt in um, is we, and I don't know how much longer I'll say this because of um, my youngest son's age. Um, my oldest son came to me in a little bit different, a different way. Um, but we, the, the, the problem of adoption is a separate problem of than racism. You don't solve racism by adopting a child that is not your color. Mm-hmm. When we decided that we were going to adopt and I, and I need to preface my comments with this and I won't take long, but when we decided we were going to adopt, our heart was where is the biggest need? And disproportionately, black males disproportionately made up the majority of those kids that were in foster care. And when I say that that's hard to swallow, it's very difficult to swallow, but it's it's the truth. And so that's why we chose, a lot of people want to know, why did you adopt a kid that, I mean, wouldn't it have been easier just to adopt a kid that had your same skin color? That was where we felt like the Holy Spirit led us. And um, we wanted to make an impact on, on in the area of, of, of greatest need. So yes, we've, we've already started having, you know, there's, there's, there's the adoption things that we have to discuss with him. The idea that he is being raised by people who are not biologically his. And he is five years old and he still, I mean, he already has questions. He wants to know, um, mommy, why, why does your skin not look like mine? And my wife tells him, she says, baby, you had, a, you had an amazing mommy that, who had beautiful brown skin. And she carried you in her belly. And while you were growing in her belly, you were growing in my heart. And um, that's kind of the age appropriate conversation that we're having with him now. When it comes to race, he's he is five years old. Um, so we, 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 we talk about it pretty freely at our table. I have some very opinionated older children who who talk about these things Um our family has always been very interracial. So they've always been very aware of racial, of racism and racial tensions. Um, but he is, he is five years old. So to, we talk about things in an age appropriate way. Um, but we also have a lot of, of black friends and um, we invite them over. We invite them to speak into his life on things that we can't speak of from personal um, experience, but at this stage, he's five. Um, but, uh, I, you know, I, I, I will, I will, won't forget my oldest, um, wanting to date a girl that was white. And there were some things said by her family and we had to, I learned real quick that, um, wow. Okay. This isn't, this isn't gone. This isn't over. And, um, I, I mean, 
at that point, it wasn't a race conversation. It was a dad to son conversation. And the reason why I'm prefacing this is because um, Sunday I had uh, one of my amazing friends on and she was telling me about the conversations because she has three black children and she was, and she's a black woman, a really proud black woman. And she was telling me about the conversations she's had to have with them. It's the talk. That's the talk that she's scared about. It's not the sex talk. It's the talk of, okay, this is, you can't put your hoodie up when you go into a store. You can't put your hands in your pockets when you go to the store. And so as parents, especially, I know, um, Josiah, I don't think you have a kids, right? Right. Shake your head. No kids, kids. No kids. No kids. But I know Mac has some and I know Julius has some. So as parents, how do you, how do you go about having that conversation with your kids to show them that, you know, you may look different on the outside, but we're all the same on the inside and not yeah. let it better. Can I, can I, I want to just clarify, and I know these guys can jump in on this. But we don't our, our, our philosophy on parenting in general has never been to have this huge culminating talk mm -hmm. um, like even the sex talk. My kids are my kids are I have kids that are five and six and we there we, we 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 try to talk very normally about things on a regular basis. Uh, and so. I mean, no matter what talk you're having with your kids, I think it's important that you do it in age appropriate ways and you make these conversations normal so that you don't scare the crap out of your kids. Does anybody else want to chime in on that? I, I think the, the biggest thing for me, you know, as I'm hearing everything, I'm just sitting here pondering and I, you know, with with everything that's occurring, there's uh, you know, it makes me ask the question: what what leads someone, what leads someone to uh, a step into the role of somebody who is a racist? What what would lead someone to that point is the question I'm in, and I would assume I would make the assumption that. Uh, someone who's in that position, one, is not uh, not fully um, really understanding of, of of the person that they're dealing with. They've um, they've taken the individual and placed them into the grouping of a social group, and from that standpoint, they then take a look at every individual that they uh, come into contact with and they place them into the grouping of that particular mindset in which they've adopted. And I think for me, the biggest thing of all of this is understanding that at the end of the day, white, black, brown, red, purple, whatever it is, that this issue is actually uh, a, a symptom of a bigger issue. And, and the bigger issue, and this is, from my standpoint and understanding is that the bigger issue is an issue of sin in the world. Now, this is something that we don't talk about a lot. And I can sit here and tell you that I'm gonna go uh, and, 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 and attack one particular symptom uh, rather than attacking the full root of the issue. You see, because let's say that this challenge is solved and yet we have a million more to deal with. 
right? And so, and 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 all of the issues are big. These are big things that we deal with. But at the end of the day, there is a there is one issue that me, you, and everybody who's listening deals with, which is the depravity of men. Um, and and to be quite honest, it's for me, it starts there. My reconciliation with God. How can I be reconciled to my brother unless I have I've been reconciled to the one who created me? And so from from my standpoint and understanding that that we've we've got to see that the I I, I kind of go by the issue isn't the issue. The, there's a bigger issue behind it, right? And so we've we've gotten into this point where we're dealing with all of these uh, smaller symptoms that are actually not even smaller. They're not small. I don't want to say that they're small. They are, they are very big. But if we miss the mark on understanding the, the bigger root of it all, then, then we don't get very far, you know? And so that for me and my standpoint, that, is what I'm, this was just popping off in my mind as we kind of uh, talk about this. Well, I know, I, I will say, because I mentioned this in the women's conversations, I used to say that I don't, my girls didn't see color, but then I didn't realize until someone actually had that conversation with me, because I was talking about, you know, yeah, you, they, yeah, they, of course they see your color. But the way I phrased it made it sound like I was a racist. What I was really trying to say, and I've rephrased it, and the girls have rephrased it, is that we may see your color and it may, you know, that you're black, you're white, but we don't see, oh, let me see, we don't let that define how we treat you. And so yeah. once somebody told me that when you say you don't see color is a form of racism, I immediately changed the way I say that because I didn't realize it. that was a form of racism. It's like mm -hmm. a covert racism. Mm -hmm. Mac, tell us about your your thing because you have two young boys. Am I correct? Yes, yes, ma'am. So, um, go ahead, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, just go ahead. You can talk. Tell me. Um, for me, uh, the biggest thing for me is not only having to model for my oldest son, um, how to navigate how to feel this this moment these times but also how to navigate them how to and how to express during this time um uh it's it's been said um by um a great pastor dr ari vernon um who stated uh he has the the feeling to uh be martin luther king but at the same time on the inside um malcolm x is on the inside wanting to break something, wanting to do something. And that is how I feel. And uh, it's definitely how I felt um, or how I feel every time there is a, a beautiful black brother or black American that has, whose life has been senselessly taken. Um, and so as, as I was sitting in front of the television on uh, uh, the night before last, and my son was watching Oprah's uh, special that she did on um, where do we go from here. He asked me um, during the commercials um, or right before the commercial segments, what, why are they showing those small video clips? 
And so for me, that let me know that his wheels were turning. He was beginning to wonder um, why this is, why this conversation is being had. Why do they keep saying, where do we go from here? Um, and he was saying, well, when are they going to answer the question? <laughs> that was, you know, his thinking. That was as far as his mind would take him. But um, it also caused it. It uh, and which you, you, you. It just struck a nerve with you. Uh, where when he asked that, I was wondering the same thing. When are we going to answer the question? And every time something like this happens, it causes me to now think about how am I going to educate my son about something like this? Thankfully, I have a younger son who doesn't even, all he wants to do is eat and sleep. <laughs> uh, he's, he's almost five months. But um, on the other hand, he's going to come up and hear about this stuff. Um, and it'll be a part of the history books for him. And so his question will not be the same thing that my oldest son will ask me. His question to me will, will be, well, um, what did you do during that time? Or um, how, how did you feel about this during this time? And I have to be mindful about that, um, specifically as it relates to the legacy that I want to leave with my children and my children's children. I need them to understand that just as um, God asked Adam in the garden after they had ate of the fruit, Adam, where are you? It wasn't a matter of wondering where he was physically. He wanted Adam to realize and come to the realization um, and think about, consider where have you fallen from spiritually and um, look at where you are now. So where are you? Answer that question. Um, we still aren't there yet where I felt man, now I'm not having to see the things that I've read about or heard about, learned about in school. I'm not having to see that. And then as of probably the last 10 years, um, it's caused me to now have to consider how I'm going to help the school educate, help my wife, who is a teacher, educate my boys on uh, this history that has taken place. So it's it's it leaves two feelings on the inside of me. I, I will have to ask this question. Do you think we'll see racism end in our lifetime? Do you think that there won't be a separation of races or no? No, no I don't think so. I'm I'm jumping in. I don't know if you're asking me. It's I, don't, I don't think so, but we're not going we're not going to see hunger stop either. We're not going to see abortions stop completely either, but it doesn't mean we shouldn't daggone try. And, um, not, you know, there's so many different things that anyone can attach themselves to, to make better in this world. But I think, uh, one of the things that makes you attach yourself to fighting this cause is that there's such a need and there's just, it's so huge that you realize there's no way like I'm going to fix this, but on it. Like if I can, if I can help five or 10 people just realize that like you don't have to live your life this way. I'm talking, you know, from the, the white community, you, you, you asked me the question, have we ever experienced racism? I've been told, I don't know how many times that I have white guilt by white people 
Because I love black people. Well, I don't care what color you are. I love you. And I see your color too. But yeah, we're not we're not gonna solve it, but that should never be a reason why we don't try. Yeah, that's true. I mean, when you said what you just said, sometimes I feel like because I don't kind of put Paul up in our family a lot because he has his own family, but you, you remember Paul also taught him. He's actually in the military and his mom died when he was in ninth grade and he's since become part of our family. I but I don't it. include him a lot in it because he has his own separate life. And I feel like I'm taken away from his culture if I include him in all these pictures and all these stories on things. But I will say that when I saw George Floyd and saw him dying, I put Paul's face on there and my heart just broke and I just wept in tears because all I see was all these young men, young men that I taught that are now growing up and being and having to have to face this. And I can't even imagine it. That's why I wanted to have these conversations like this. Absolutely. For me, um, I have two, my two boys and both are enough five. Um, so, you know, listening to Mac talk about how he interacts with his son and his experience and listening to Daniel talk about his interaction with his kids is 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 great for me, you know. Um is very educational for me and this is this is why I'm so happy to be in a conversation like this because you know um I'm thirty six but my kids are younger and you know as you talk about seeing the you know, a couple of the murders on tel on television and stuff. We have to understand that our kids are going to be connected to social media now. They're not going to be watching news. So they're going to be getting these things so much faster. So we have to be able to, to talk, to, to have this conversation even sooner, you know, and, and make it more age appropriate and everything. You know, I saw something on Sesame Street. Sesame Street was talking about racism and going over that. So they're reaching those kids. But um, I think it's important to have that conversation as soon as possible. Because, as I said, when, when these murders were taking place on television, I, I, run, I run a lot. You know, I still try to keep fit. So I go outside and, you know and taking the sun and, you know, whatever. When that happened to Ahmad Aubrey, the murder, mm -hmm. you know, um, it was, it was very, it, it touched me, it touched me in a, in, a, in a different way than it did all the other ones, you know? And, you know, I could put myself in that shoes, but also I understand that my kid's going to be sporty too they're going to be you know we're going to go for runs as a family you know they're probably going to go out for a run to train to keep fit or whatever you know and to just think that you know something like that could happen to my 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 son you know it's just it's really important for me that i try to do something now in this day and age so that as max said when his younger son grows up he's going to these questions are going to be raised you know 
what was it about how did you feel and what did you do you know and um these conversations are very important for us to just educate each other and just spread it just spread the word so um mark i have i have this i have this foundation back home in trinidad and tobago and there is systemic racism um there too and i'd love to speak to you after this but you know here and you talk about your interaction and you and daniel about with your sons just gives me more you know more of the ability to talk with younger younger boys too you know that in impoverished neighborhoods and just around a lot of crime so um, i i really appreciate your guys sharing this valuable information with me man there's something that i want to also bring into something daniel that you said was which was really big and i'm also seeing that question right there you know um how can we bring people who are ignorant into the conversation there's so many white folks that, that need to be re-educated. I think a lot of people need to be re-educated. It's not even just it's not even just the white folks. It's, it's, it's everybody. Um, and I think I think a big piece to this too is understanding that the work doesn't stop at one post that you put on Instagram and that's it. You know what I mean? Like this is an ongoing work. And and for and and I, I agree with Daniel when you say I, I don't I don't just because we may not see the end of it in our lifetime does not mean that we don't get into the game ourselves. Because to, because to sit indifferently on the couch, on the sidelines, is just as bad as anybody else who's out there uh, standing against it, you know? And then so, and so uh, for each person, what I would say is that, you know, to bring, in, uh, to bring those who are, are not educated about it is, is to make this a part of your, a, a part of your life's work, right? And and at the end of the day, the 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 supreme ethic in which we live under, which is love, right? The supreme ethic in everything that we do. And on a micro level, it starts in homes, just like these three gentlemen have kids, but it starts in the homes at a micro level. You know, if we can at least, at the very least, start into our homes and allow that to spread from there. I mean, there's a lot that can be learned in the in the household. Um, you know, and and even for even for us, just even having this conversation amongst men, I'm a true believer that change now. And this is this is just a a, a belief that, and and it's not making. Uh, I, I don't want to create division or separation between men and women. I do believe that men have a have a divine responsibility to lead their homes from the jump, and I believe that there has been a lot of homes that have been broken in that in that regard. And so, you know, it starts in the homes and it spreads from there. Um, at the very least, that that's where, where we can start. You know, um, but it does. It, it, it is a constant effort on a day-to-day -day basis to live by the supreme ethic of love on a day-to-day -day basis, every day, day in, day out. Not just one story, not just one passionate post, not just one kind of, boom, I'm out there, I'm angry about the situation, this is what I did about it, I went and I picked it, great, that's awesome, but what are you gonna do tomorrow? What are you gonna do the next day? What are you gonna do the day after that? Are you gonna actually live, live this out? and see it through, uh, and we may see it at the end of our lifetime or not,
but but just like to Daniel's you know comment, you know, to sit on the sidelines and not to do anything is just as bad. Yeah. So if I could chime in really quickly um, on the on the um, question there, I I've this is this is this is not really good question by Kami Kami um, Kennedy. Um, so when all of this was tick was playing off, uh, what I what a lot of my friends and I saw a lot of people doing was they were paying attention to what other people were doing their their white friends and i too i got a little caught up in it and you know i went into one of my groups from one of my past teams and i i just started to go crazy in the group you know and i was just like what you know what's wrong with you guys we we, def we you know i i i did i defended you i de i would do anything for you i would not Allow, I would never allow anything bad to happen to you. And you feel, off the field, it's the same thing. Now, how could you see somebody that is my skin color being killed and murdered so often and not, you have a platform to use to influence other people and not use it? Um, you know, that conversation kind of opened up. And what I realize is that a lot of, it's not just as as um as the other speaker said there. It's not just white people that is that are racist against black people, right? Black people are racist against black people too, and other cultures are race are racist against black people. We have to realize that within social media, within television, within movies, within everything. There's a systemic, they, they systemically have placed black people at the lowest, below hum, below humanity, where we are animals, where we are, we always cast it as the criminals in movies, we always cast it as the bad, we always die in first, we always doing this too, you know, it's all over, it's all over, right? And what happens with this is, you on, you subconsciously are, are, are formed, your mentality is formed towards the black person and towards the black culture, right? Or because you see it on TV and all these little movies and all these little cartoons, little small things here and there, we see it everywhere. And we need to help our friends, the ignorant people. First of all, we have to see it and we have to see it within ourselves. And we have to notice it in movies. We have to notice it when we watch in television. We have to act, we have to question more things, right? And when we are able to see that all over in every look, if you watch all across the board, you could see systemic racism against black people. All across the board, man. And it's just so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. It's so sad. Right? So when you open your eyes to that now you are more educated to have a conversation with somebody now that's that's one step now there's another step where there are people that are unwilling to open their eyes right that are bent on how what they believe and how they feel those people the bible talk about those people do not throw your your pearls before swine right yeah 
Yeah, the, I, I was having lunch with, with a guy the other day, and he was laughing. He said, my daddy always told me, don't have a fool with a man in public because onlookers won't be able to tell the difference. And, uh, you know, Proverbs 26 says that we're not even to answer the foolish arguments of fools or you will become foolish as they are. And to be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools, do not because they'll become wise in their own estimation. The question is, how can we bring people who are ignorant to the conversation? You don't. Mm-hmm. You don't. And, and we, we have to be willing to move forward without having everybody on board. Anyone in leadership can tell you, you never have anybody on board. And if you wait to get everybody on board before you start doing something, you're going to be waiting a real long time. The people I'm concerned about that I want to get in the conversation are the people who know who know they're a part of it. Ignorant people, that, that's what makes them ignorant. You, you, and I think that's what we got to understand is that they don't even realize. Ignorance is much like deception. What makes someone deceived is that they don't know they're deceived. It's not that they're, they've got this great moral compass that's just blinging off and, you know, oh, they know I'm making a poor choice here. No, they have no clue. And ignorance is blindness, is blindness to the facts, is blindness to the real, to reality of, of what's going on. So I don't think we get caught up by the naysayers and the people who are ignorant. They're going to they're gonna fly their rebel flags. They're going to say stupid comments. Um, we just, you just ignore them. You, we, we, we just, we can't let, and I will say this, ignorant white people are a tiny minority. They're not the ones I'm concerned about. They're the ones who have the ability to make, the ones I'm concerned about, the ones who have the ability to make change and they refuse to do it because it's uncomfortable or because they're going to have to give something up. Can I add a quick story real quick, Melissa? Yep, go right ahead. I'll go real fast. I want to give you an example. I've worked with young men who have been in legal trouble like Mac, have been a part of mentoring for a really long time. I had a young man call me, a black young man. He was 18 years old. He calls me from jail, Mr. Weeks, or they call me P-Dub, Pastor Weeks. P-Dub, man, they got me locked up. Why'd you get locked up? Man, I did something stupid. What'd you do? Man, I stole a pair of shoes from Rugger Warehouse. Man, that was dumb. Hey, can you come bail me out? No, I'm not bailing you out. Mr. Weeks, they're trying to charge me with a felony. How much do shoes cost? 25 bucks. Man, I got in my car as fast as I could. I go up to the magistrate's office, was talking them out. They told me because he cut and an freaking ink tag off of a $25 pair of shoes, he was technically boosting, which is a felony. I said, hold, hold, hold up. I couldn't believe it. You are about to give an 18-year-old young man a felony charge because he cut an ink tag off a $25 pair of shoes. Those are the people I'm worried about. I don't care about the ignorant people. I care about those people who know they can change something up. They know that he just, the police officer that he interacted with, just he could have written that up so many different ways. And thank God, our community is doing a better job here in Goldsboro with community policing and teaching 
police officers, you've got some leniency in how you write this stuff up. Let me tell you the, the end game of this story. I showed up at his appointment with his court-appointed lawyer. His court-appointed lawyer refused to talk to me, refused to talk, even though my, the young man I was mentoring gave him permission. I looked at him. I said, bro, you are a joke. You are a joke. I called some people I knew in the legal, the gov, the, 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 our, our community's legal system. Literally, this is all it took. Oh, yeah, Mr. Weeks, no problem. We got you. Tell them to come up here tomorrow. We'll have it reduced to a misdemeanor. Now, I am so glad, so thankful that I was able to get that drop. Now, this young man has a killer job. He's supporting his family. He's doing right. But why did it take a white guy to step in to get this done? So it's not the ignorant white people that I'm concerned about. Man, they can just be ignorant. They won't know the difference. It's the people that know they have the ability in their hands and in their signature. Those are the people that that that, that I'm concerned about. The ability to give somebody a second chance. Because I mean, all kids make mistakes regardless of race. It's just why is a white kid able to get off easier than a black kid? I, just, I had so many... Yeah, I had so many brushes with the law as a teenager. I set off a fireworks display in somebody's front yard. And it was funny. Imagine if a black young man did that. He would have oh, been he was, trying, he was trying to torch the house down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mac, do you have anything you want to speak to about that question? Um yeah, I uh thought about the fact that with those people, uh, like Pastor Week says, it's best that they don't be a part of the conversation. Um, but uh, we have to be mindful when we are communicating with anyone about the matter, uh, the, the realities that lie for people who like them are on the outside looking in. And so for like Pastor Weeks also mentioned where uh, he would, he had the ability to make a call and get the charges dropped for this young black male. Uh, my wife and I were having a conversation on uh, the other night about kind of some of the differences in resources that African-Americans uh, have as, as it relates to um, whites. Uh, and we, uh, in many cases, like for myself, as a, as a local business owner, um, there are a lot of resources that um, I have to stumble upon in uh, a whole lot of research. And it's not easily made accessible to the African-American community. And so the reason why I'm bringing that up is not only when I looked at uh, the death of George, George Floyd, uh, did I think about racism um, as, as it relates to uh, black people or black males, especially being murdered uh, in the public, but uh, also the knee on the neck that a lot of uh, minorities have. And so, as has been stated already, it's not just with the African-Americans, it's with a lot of minorities. Um, and, and I respect that president for uh, the role that he has. But 
the same time, the there are minorities who have had to deal with um, being labeled immigrants um, or having been outcast by a country that they they have been living in for years, and and the knee on the neck of the oppressed. Mm -hmm. um, when I looked at that video, it it also gave me that picture as well. Um, that the knee on the neck of minorities has been on the neck for a long time, and so as a as a result, you have uh, protests going on, peaceful protests, and then you have a lot of rioting going on because. As Dr. Vernon has also stated, as I mentioned him earlier, um, that when the heart is broke, the head doesn't work. And so you have people thinking that if I go and just tear down this community, burn it down to the ground, at least I'm going to get someone's attention. But the reality is, the truth is, the attention that you can get the attention by doing a peaceful protest, um, but also... Uh, I was telling my wife, I think differently as it relates to uh, a protest. I, I think how, how can we best and more succinct, most succinctly um, solve the problem or get to the root of the issue? How can we get in front of the people who have the power to make the decisions, to make the changes that need to be brought about? And so uh, that said, um, it's a matter of when we're, when we're protesting or when we're communicating, change needs to happen. We need to, and for example, uh, if we were protesting tonight and we, we circled our, our downtown area a couple times and the people uh, like the mayor or anyone who had power in our local government came out and said, what is it that you want? The, the thing that has to be made uh, aware to people who are protesting is when someone comes and says, what is it that you need? What is it that you're protesting for? You have our attention. Um, do you have an answer? Mm -hmm. Do you have a plan that you're ready to ask them? This is what we would like for you guys to consider implementing um, so that we can begin the steps to see change. So that's what I would like to add on that, that part. You're so right. I love that. Lisa actually re-quoted it. When the heart is broke, the head doesn't work. And I, 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 yeah, that is so true. And thank you for that. And actually, I want to see if you later on will drop in the comments if, if there's a book or a place that, with the pastor that you were discussing yes. so people can read more about because I'm actually interested in what this pastor has to say. Because the whole yeah. thing, we have to be and we have to be uncomfortable to have these conversations, we ha but these conversations are necessary to have for everybody to learn from each other and to learn that even though we may look on the outside differently, on the inside, we're all just the same. You know, we're all, you know, we're all moms, or not all moms, because you guys aren't moms, but we're all parents. We're all, yeah. <laughs> we're all parents. I mean, we're all, we all want our kids to grow up and be happy and live healthy lives and you know, basically, but a lot of people don't think that. A lot of people don't think that other races have the right to do things. Like I know my girls get it because they're Hispanic and white. So they're not Hispanic enough for their Hispanic friends and they're not white enough for their white friends. So they're in the middle. And then my oldest daughter married an Asian guy. So she's like by the end, but she's hopefully by the end when they have kids that they won't even be able to tell who they are. And that's her dream of a world that we're living that they won't be able to tell the races at all that is all going to be intermixed and we're all going to live happy. Now that's a like, pipe dream for her, but that's her dream. So right. um, 
what resources, what are some of the conversations that you want people to know that, you know, we're all the same? Like, it's like our win. Well, uh, I, can I jump in there with that question? Yeah. Um, it was, it's, it's kind of really uh, synonymously stating exactly what uh, Mac already said that Dr. Vernon says when the heart is, is broke, the head doesn't work. It's just said in a different way. Um, but usually when conversations matter the most is when we are at our worst. Um, and, and so there's a book, I think, you know, we can, first of all, we don't know how to talk. We don't know how to disagree. Uh Our, our, our country is so polarized between democratic or Republic. If I voted for Trump, then that must mean I'm a racist. Or if I voted democratic, then I love killing babies. It's so there we're presented with so many fools choices. There's like, well, hold on. I don't agree with anything you're saying. So first of all, I'd say a good resource is a book called crucial conversations. And it's, it's a, it's about, it's about mentally, emotionally, and even physiologically, what starts happening in our bodies when somebody says something that just really flares us up? How do I have a sensible conversation with a person that I passionately disagree with? That's one good resource, Crucial Conversations. There's another good book uh, called The New Jim Crow. Um, and honestly, uh, this is just show you Matt, uh, Mac and his, the church. Uh, I think we might've lost Daniel. What was that? What was that quote you said? When conversations matter the most. When the heart is broke and the, he- the head doesn't work. And he and said one about conversations about. It's crucial conversations. Sorry. Crucial conversations. Yeah, he said crucial conversations. There's some there's a saying that he said. Yeah, we kind of lost him for there, man. I don't know what happened. He's kind of frozen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Max, yeah, do you, um, you want to um, add any resources or anything? Is that for me? Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Um, yes, I would. I- I would definitely agree with uh, uh, Pastor Daniel Weeks um, in uh, the the book, The New Jim Crow, is actually one of the books that I have here in my personal library. Um, also, there is, um, and I think this was what Pastor Daniel Weeks was getting ready to speak to, and that's uh, for those who in the in the church world where uh, there's a book um, that my pastor is walking our church through virtually on Tuesday nights, the City Church of Goldsboro. Um, it's live on uh, social media platforms, but he's walking us through um, Woke Church. Woke Church. And this is by a beautiful brother who um, uh, prides himself in the arena of civil rights and social justice. Um, his name is, forgive me, escape me at the moment but um he is calling us to the carpet on uh dealing with handling and communicating these sensitive conversations like we're having now uh so that we won't have to concern ourselves with like um the the comment was earlier the ignorant um 
we can we can continue to have a conversation, have it sensibly um, with one another, even those who uh, see differently or you know have a, a different outlook on uh, things than we do. Um, so that those would definitely be um, books or resources that I I would say would be helpful during this time for people to jump into um, and share with others. Yeah. Daniel, do you want to go back and do your, I actually called you Daniel that time. I can't believe I actually got used to it. <laughs> you got cut off to share? Um, well, I saw, I, I was, I, I don't know where I cut off, but crucial conversations I think is good. It'll just help you with your spouse. <laughs> what, was that? what was that quote again, Pastor? Um, just when, when the conversation matters the most is usually when we're at our worst. And oh, it just, and I guess the reason I related it with Dr. Vernon's quote was that m most of the time, the situations we, we're in dictate like our emotional response. And, um, we have to be willing to, to realize what's happening like physiologically in us when someone pisses us off or says something that really rubs us the wrong way and just slow down and just, you know, have a, have a civil conversation. I said the, uh, the new Jim Crow. Um, honestly, if you're a white person watching this and you don't think systemic racism is real, um, I would ask you what books that you've read about it. And chances are you probably got your opinion from the Washington Inquirer Chronicles or some bogus news media. Read a book. Um, the New Jim Crow is a really good book to read. It's about actual cases. It's written from a lawyer's perspective. Um, I think Matt already said uh, Woke Church. For people who keep telling you to preach Jesus when you're talking about systemic racism, great explanation on how this is preaching Jesus when you care about justice. Um, if you don't care about justice, then you don't understand the gospel. Point blank. And um, and I would just and I'm going to shut up, but I'd say like this guy McMurray and and his the church he's a part of. They're honestly that group of guys. They're my number one resource. Um, that's who I, who I got, uh, James Jones told me to read the new Jim Crow. Uh, Pastor Terry told me, Pastor Terry Jones, Lady Juliet Jones, they told me to read Woke Church. And, um, and I'm going to be honest with you. Every time one of these things happen, I'm either hitting up Pastor Terry's phone or he's hitting me up. And we have some very difficult conversations. I would just put it that way. They're very difficult. It's like I ask him, even though I don't necessarily agree with all white people's perspective, I try to ask him what I, the questions I think white people are wanting to know. And then he comes and he fires back at me. Too. So, uh, yeah, I think the greatest resource we can have books are great, but, uh, you know, talking to someone that doesn't have the same skin color, you doesn't come where you come from, man, that's the greatest resource. That's the reason why I wanted to give the male version of, I had the female version and it went so great. And that night I was like, that's only part of the story. 
and this is this is still only part of the story because once when you start about biracial, so that's like that popped in my head. I'm like, okay, I've got to do that now because then they're getting racism for both sides as well. And I thank yeah. you guys so much for being on in it and agreeing to, especially with Mac. I'm gonna have to do Mac because Mac is I've never met Mac. He didn't know me in person, so he didn't know what he was walking into. He just took a leap of faith with his wife saying, Colin told you, you're going to do it. You know? Smart man, smart man. <laughs> so is there any um like popular, we talked about popular music and popular movies that maybe you have seen that actually define what racism is and the way you can learn about it instead of, you know, glorifying it. You know what I'm saying? Yes. Um, I, I movie that first comes to mind for me is because um, I ju we just recently watched it and that was Just Mercy uh, with Jamie Foxx. Um, a, a, a great uh, conversation um, can be taken or had as a result of watching that movie. Um, I would honestly say that a lot of what the feelings that were communicated during that movie or a lot of the thoughts that a lot of black America has. Um, and it causes us to not only see it in film on our television, but it now puts into forefront uh, of those who uh, are uneducated on the matter. They can now see this is how this is what's really happening. And so even though that movie uh, was, I guess the, the time frame for it was based in, in older times, but it's, it's a reality for those of us who are black and brown um, right now um, in many different ways. And so for me, I have to remember and remind myself, as we were talking about the, the ignorant earlier, I have to remind myself, I was taught years ago that uh, the Bible speaks, there's a scripture that speaks of, and it says, the poor you will have with you always. And I was taught that that doesn't necessarily only mean financially. It also means those who are, are, are poor in morals, poor in character, um, and poor in spirit. Uh, people who would who would never uh, be able to grasp what it is that you and I are trying to get everyone to understand now that this injustice is uh, George Floyd is not we haven't made him a hero. Mm -hmm. We are um, looking at the way that he died and using that as a platform to in to let people know that you know this is happening too much way too much mm -hmm. and we and a lot of our other a lot of you um, thank you guys for uh, communicating your uh, feelings that you have um, alongside of ours but a lot of people saw that and were feeling this is enough hence now you have all the protests and which led to a lot of rioting and those things but as Pastor Daniel Weeks said, um, the best resource is those people who uh, don't look like you um, because we live it um, in experiencing overt and covert racism. 
um, that that outwardly is the overt where people uh, we can look at them. I used to be a custodian, um, and now I'm a public speaker, but also a mental health practitioner. Um, I used to be asked the question, "Well, what what did, what do you do now?" And when when I would say, "Hey, I'm a custodian," I would there would be a certain look, and as a result of that, I will be treated a certain way. But now as a result of saying, hey, I'm a public speaker or I'm a mental health practitioner, um, I'm the same guy. <laughs> I've just gotten older. Um, and, but people, you know, tend to treat the title uh, a little bit differently. They treat me differently as a result of a different title or a different uh, career field. And so one of the things that I speak a lot about uh, when traveling to speak, and I, I coined this quote, um, most people are awestruck by popularity, but blinded by conformity. And so they, we find in our society that people choose to go along with everyone else or the majority when the only thing they have to do is like what Pastor Weeks said is come to one of us and ask the real questions like Pastor Weeks says he does. Um, ask the real questions. Um, have a conversation to better understand and then act on it. It's not enough to feel sorry for us or the black community now and say, I apologize. And then uh, the moment is gone uh, two or three months later. Um, it, it takes, it makes more impact when you let us know you feel it and you try to understand it. And then as a result, you, along with us, try to work towards changing it. And that is the biggest thing that I want to leave as a uh, last piece or last piece of wisdom for anybody who's listening. I will say Just Mercy is actually streaming free right now. So you guys don't have to do anything. If you have Netflix, Amazon Prime, another good one that's also streaming is Selma. Just that's an eye opener with the mark on Selma for the wedding rights. That's just I would have never thought that white could be that mean. I mean, I guess that opened my eyes a lot. But the, these people weren't doing anything going going across the bridge, and all of a sudden they're being beaten with clubs that have spikes on them. And my, I was just my, I was just crying. Tears were just falling out. So I can't, I can't even imagine. Well, you know, you know when uh, I, I we first got on here, Mac. I don't think you. Well, Julius, I don't know if you're on here either. I told you guys, I got diagnosed with the coronavirus today. Real thing, man. Real story. Yeah, I got the Rona. And uh, yeah. So. And it's like, it's like, uh, it's like stuff is, stuff is like kind of real until you know somebody who has it. And so yeah. I think movies are great. Don't get me wrong. Like, but. I mean, I, 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 we were having a conversation at our church and by the way, you know, we're doing something that we need to do more and we will do more, but we had a racial round table discussion and a lady was telling me she remembers as a child, uh, the police just busting the door down to her apartment and just flying in there. She said, scared the mess out of her as a child into this day. When she sees a man in uniform, she 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 struggles not to shake. 
had a lady in her 70s, a black woman in our church telling me, she said, she said, I was on the other end of that water hose. Now, when these are people that you you do life with, you love, you can't say, oh, that's just the media. (laughs) That's why I think it really matters to if if you're going to post, you're going to have a strong social media game. And talk about all this stuff that, you know, you want to do and I can't breathe. Like, go make a friend with somebody who don't have the same skin color as you and actually learn from real life experience. Look into their eyes when they tell you what they feel. And and it's, it's so easy to hide behind a computer screen and write this dumb stuff on. So I'm leaving my comment with this. I told you what the best source is. I think the worst source that you can have is social media. It sucks when it comes to understanding and discussing like this is a great form because this is a conversation, but man, people, they post false stuff. They get the, they get to post their opinions and then say, I'm going to delete you. If you don't agree, I'm going to block you. Um, it's just you, having a, a conversation with someone to me is the best way to really learn and understand. I'm shutting up. Sorry. Julius, do you have any last thoughts to leave us with? Um, my last thoughts would be um, just do research. Do research, right? Everyone, everyone needs to do research. Even if it's not knows, do more. Learn about American history. Learn about systemic racism. Learn about how how it affects one specific, you know, ethnicity throughout their whole entire life. Let's start from immunization all the way to retirement, all the way to dying. Yeah, systemically, right? Press down, right? Let's try to learn about that, actively pursue it so that you could be able to understand it and, and teach the next generation. As Daniel said, ignorant people are ignorant for a reason, right? Let's try to go forward together and affect change in our circles. And that's that how I feel about it. Most importantly, the younger generation, because they're going to be making the laws, man. They're going to be taking care of things when we get older. So we had to, we had to start to try to pay it forward and, and go back into the roots and, and affect the kids. And yeah. thank you so much for having me, Melissa. For all the people I was messaging here, Jerry. This Lisa. is probably the most I've had conversations on these comments, guys. So you guys did awesome. I mean, I was really nervous about because you guys are actually the first guys on chats from the blog cabin and right. i was like really nervous going into it and i was like doing worship songs and everything else because i'm like, really nervous i'm like, i don't I'll say the wrong thing and stuff like that right. you I do love- great you're great facilitator if you ever want to come back on come back on and continue this conversation because it's a conversation that needs to be had again and again and again and it's like what um, Mr. Weeks said. See, I went back to call you Mr. Weeks. Is that <laughs> social media needs to be used for good. 
and that's my platform is social media. Yeah. My platform is blogging and and being able to reach people from all across the country. So that's the reason why I wanted to come on and do something. This is how I'm making the change because I'm so just a little part of the real I want to thank you guys so much for coming on. And like I said, you know, we're going to come back soon. I would love to have all you on separately or together again. If you guys want to make an appointment, let me know. Have a conversation with Peter Rowland. And um, guys, any other questions? Any last thoughts before we go off there? I first want to say I would love to come, come back and have. Uh, any conversation, uh, as long as these guys, my other teammates, they're sharper <laughs> than me. As long as they will let me come come back. <laughs> you sound like Pastor Terry right now. That was like classic <laughs> Pastor Terry Jones right there. <laughs> no, I would I would love to have to have um, these guys' contact information too. I feel like if there's a lot of knowledge that I could gain um, to help me go forward with my life and to be a better person, and also. With my foundation back home to to flow that that knowledge and um and information back. Yeah, absolutely, Melissa. Feel absolutely. free to just forward him my email address. Okay. Same here. Well, I think yes, you guys um that sent you guys the email. We got we got an email address in there. Oh yeah, great. Yeah. Yeah. So everybody yeah. gets an email. Okay. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. I would like I said I would let you guys come back on individually or separately. It's up to you. Because I know you guys have some great programs going on outside of this conversation that we didn't even touch on. Um, guys, thank you so much. And everybody else, have a great rest of your Thursday. I'm so glad you joined us for the conversation. Thank you. Good night, everybody. Thank you for listening to another episode of Chats in the Blog Cabin. I really think these men had such great views about life in general. They're so eloquent when they talk that you can't help but listen to them. One of the quotes I loved was when the conversation matters the most is when you are at your worst. I will link in the show notes the books and movies that they discussed during the chat. If you have a chance, please go read them. They're really great resources. Because if you listened, you know, Matt, Julius, and Josiah are all black men. Daniel is a white man. Um, who is who is a preacher, but he's also raising two black children and have fostered many others of different colors. I hope this really clears up some of the issues. I had some great viewer questions as well. I really want to thank Josiah, even though he had to step out in the middle of the panel because of a previous engagement, who read the questions out loud. I hope to have all four of these men back on because it was an amazing conversation and one that I feel we need to continue to have. I encourage you right now, if you have a friend of another race, nationality, or even a sexual orientation, please reach out to them and have an honest conversation with them. Ask them questions and learn because it's only when we learn from each other do we learn to understand each other. And have a conversation where you really listen to each other and be open to change and really listen to what the other person is saying. Instead of thinking it's my way or the highway or your way or no way at all, that is how we're going to heal this country is to have these open and honest conversations. Yes, they may be uncomfortable, but they are necessary because it is only when we learn can we move forward. If we don't, we end up repeating the past. I mean, look at what is going on in our country right now. We need to heal. 
I know this is really deep for a podcast, but I hope this has given you some things to think about. I have turned this chats from the block cabin into not only this podcast, but a Facebook live and even putting the interviews on YouTube. So if you want to see the men while they're talking, you can check out the Facebook live and it'll be up on YouTube soon. Check them out. Thank you for being a part of the chats from the blog cabin podcast. Remember, don't forget to subscribe to the show and to leave a rating or review. Hope you have a great rest of your day. Be blessed. And remember, keep chatting.